0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation, from the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block, to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your book. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book, with your host, Vice President of the Author Incubator, Jen McRobbie.
0: Well, hello everybody. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio. It's November 10th, 2016, and if you're listening from the United States or have um, been near the news at all, you know we are 2 days post our um big Um, election results and as a result i'm super excited to talk to our author today um, about her book that's titled the mother within a guide to accepting your childless journey as you know we speak to authors every week to talk about what it was like to go from an idea for a book to a finished book to making a difference in the world and Our author today, Christine Erickson, um, talks about how we can come together um, as women, whether we are childless by choice or by circumstance or if we have children, and I think it's a really important message for us today. So without further ado, welcome, Christine.
2: Thank you, Jen. It's great to be here.
0: I'm so happy to have you on here. Um, Christine and I published our books around the same time in 2015, and we realized that we hadn't really talked to each other since then. (laughs) I
2: know. Ridiculous.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So if we get a little too chatty listeners, um, accept our apologies now. But It's it's old friends coming together. So, Christine, I always ask people in the beginning if they can just Mm -hmm. tell the listeners a little bit about their book and who it's for.
2: Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, I really wrote this book to focus on childless women, women who are childless by circumstance or not by choice. Mm. Um, there's there's a lot written about the process of IVF and different processes with women that is more acceptable to talk about, or it's becoming. There's more literature on it, but there's right. less so about those social areas of you know not having the right partner, choosing very consciously about circumstances in one's life, and then not having that happen, not having mm. children. Um, oftentimes we think that that's something that's just, that choice is always there, and it's a matter of making it, and our lives evolve in different ways, and suddenly we're at a point of either having to make that choice or not having the opportunity to make that choice in ways that we right. can imagine. And so it really was coming to share my story from that perspective and to reach that audience, but also to speak to all of us as women, you know, where, where does this division happen in this conversation? <laughs> where right. shame has shown up around this for women without children uh, across the spectrum by choice or by, circum- not, or by circumstance, not having children. And so I really think um, it's a beautiful portal for us to have a new conversation as women to not be divisive and to look at where those commonalities are, not only in our lives as women, but in, in, from a, a perspective of a maternal heart. Our maternal yes. hearts don't go away. Women who wanted to have children and didn't. That is very much a presence in our lives.
0: I love that, having a maternal heart. That, that is such a lovely concept because it is true of all of the women that I know. They have maternal hearts, whether they have children or not.
2: Yeah. And it's, you know, the pain, the grief comes in that unexpressed connection, or love. Right. It's that way of being, or feeling, or that lens on life, how we treat people, how we hold our relationships, it's still alive, and it it sustains, you know, um, without having children, and that's a real pain spot.
0: Yes, yes, I can imagine. Um, I, I feel lucky, because I have children, um, mm-hmm. and I wasn't diagnosed with a circumstance, you know, I had cancer, and um, right. Before all of my treatments, my doctors, you know, said you have to decide, you know, what you're going to do about your fertility. And luckily, mm-hmm. my husband and I had already decided that our family was complete. But mm. I have so many friends where that wasn't the circumstance. And you're right, the pain right. runs so deep.
2: Right, and there are those crossword crossroads too. Women who do have children who maybe wanted a larger family. Um, Right Or who have gone through miscarriages Or a child that came to a term and passed You know, there are so many spaces where as women We come together with that, you know, that really deep experience of grief and love That is not so different How we get there is very different
0: Yes, Um, I agree, I agree Well, without uh, and you don't have to divulge any, you know, personal information mm-hmm. or anything. But you mm-hmm. kind of mentioned that you came to this topic from personal experience. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: why did you come about wanting to write about this topic?
2: You know, I reached a point in my life um, where I realized it was I was probably not going to have a child. And going through my own grief process of that brought me to a really poignant moment where I was sitting in this comfy chair, big chair in my home <laughs> office. And I just started crying, and it was it was just an overwhelming love. And I thought, but I have a mother within me. I am a mother within me. It literally came yeah. like that. And I thought, that is so beautiful. How could I give that up? And the decision the choice point in that moment you know to say to myself i don't have to this is who i am re- right whether i ha- have a child or not whether i raise a child or not this is a beautiful part of who i am in in my assessment <laughs> and uh, i think i'm um and, i mean i think most people would say that too but <laughs> yeah oh I- Um, And I bring that to my way of being in the world. And so being able to embrace that was really part of the beginning of my journey of acceptance.
0: I love that. I absolutely love that. But because it's such a personal topic, was Mm -hmm. it hard to write about it?
2: Parts of it were. I was, that was part of my surprise in the writing process. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay. oh, my back just went out. Oh, wait, my neck hurts really badly right now. On this oh, no. Um, yeah, actually, my back was up for a long time. Um, and it was always correlated to what I was writing about. And I thought, well, duh, I know this right from my coaching and my, you know, <laughs> right. learning. But this is happening to me now. <laughs> What's going right. on? Um so there were parts you know the the truth telling pieces of how to say things in honoring my experience of it and respecting the other people involved you know whether mm. it was my family or um someone who had said something to me you know how to be open and put it out there to support other people going through this but really doing it in a way that was not damaging you know right um, yeah. And I I think whenever we choose to write something down, we at least for me, you know, I really have to look at it, you know. It's very different yes. than yes. letting it cycle in your head over and over again. I mean, that's its own issue. Um but really right. putting <laughs> it down and getting getting it out, um it's wow. I mean, it's a release and it's but before the release, for me there was a lot there was a lot of physical pain. Wow. Yeah.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up, actually, because I, I, I'm sure that a lot of people that listen to Book Journeys Radio are in sort of the self-help field because it's you know, primarily the type of books that we write at the Author Incubator. But I don't think right. they all are. And, and I think it's so important to acknowledge how our bodies respond to the release of information as we write books.
2: Right. Yeah, it was beautiful. And then, then I also knew that I was hitting on my truth. You know, oh. I thought, oh, there's something I'm holding on to very tightly here.
0: Wow. Um, so how did you work yeah. through all of that? I mean, you have coaching tools. How would someone without those coaching tools work through those pain points?
2: I think, well, I, maybe with a coach, a <laughs> <My> body coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it really what helped me. I mean, I'll come back to the tools because there were many things that I did. But the, um, the process, because the process was efficient, I didn't have to stay in it. I moved oh. through it, and so I think breathing through that process of, okay, I've met this now. My back is jammed up. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> what, right. You know, what's next? You know, um, how do I keep moving with this? How do I acknowledge it? And, and it was by continuing to write. It uh. wasn't the right. That didn't create the writer's block. It just meant that I had reached that point, or that's how I oh. learned it as I went through that. Um, so all kinds of things, from meditation to breathing and visualizing it, visualizing the truth of it, the expression of it, who I wanted to serve, who I wanted to reach with this was a big mm-hmm. one for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the the process, the tools, the different process, tools that Angela has, like for me, were really important, like focusing on that one um, reader, you know, focusing on who who do I really want to write this to. It, that kept me going in a large way because it's not so much then just about, oh, this is an exposure of my truth. It's a sharing of my truth. It's a connection. Right. It's creating the possibility for a connection that may be right. for someone else. Um, so, yeah
0: so a lot of it is, is um, you, letting the process of writing and following the process, letting it get you out of your own head.
2: Yes, and absolutely. I kept <laughs> thinking about that today. Like, what worked? Why did it work for me? I'm, I overanalyze. I procrastinate. I do all these crazy things. Um, and I can recycle ideas in my head for, like, decades. <laughs> so,
0: oh, yes.
2: <laughs> I, yeah. And it's what I love about I mean, I coach primarily with horses. I'm um, working with, oh. with people, and so it's the same thing that I love about that work. It's so efficient because it gets me and my clients out of their head. You know, you're in the uh. present moment, and that's what this process kept bringing me back to. It's like, well, I can hang out there, um, but there's a deadline, and the desire to really finish this. Um, right. I really yeah. never didn't want to not, not finish it you know oh,
0: that's, and, it that's was, great. and it was and it was
2: messy and it was messy you know <laughs>
0: yes. i had a
2: developmental editor you know bless her heart i was like yeah i don't write in straight chapters apparently <laughs> this is how i write <laughs> you know but trust me i do want i am going to get this done it's just not going to look like that you know <laughs> so i learned a lot about myself in the process and i was like oh i've been trying to make it work a certain way for a long time and that's just not how I write. But having a container allowed me to do that, even though it didn't match oh. the process necessarily exactly. You know, So that was really a great outcome.
0: So important. So important yeah. to understand that, that the process of writing, of sort of revealing your truths on paper, that it really mm-hmm. brings us around to who we are in a bigger way.
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: So you mentioned writer's block. Did you have writer's yeah. block at any time?
2: <sighs> no, Jen. It was really a fluid process. Did it just flow out of you
0: naturally, Christine? I sure have what had I authors on for. here that
2: <laughs> I have had authors on
0: here that have said that, and I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous <laughs> of you. That would be so yeah, lovely. Yeah,
2: I might teach that. Yeah. Um, right. uh, uh, it was that you know that really spinning process of I think what. Uh, what I learned, I mean, a lot of what I just mentioned was about figuring out how I write best and how that mm-hmm. was was allowing it to come. Oh, okay, this is my idea over here. But having the tool of the inline, the organizational tool up front is uh, what kept bringing me back to it as opposed to, yep. well, now I'm all over the place. I'm not all over the place. It goes over here, and I can come back to it, or if my energy's on that right now, I'm going to develop that more. Right. Yeah, so that that really helped. Um, so
0: that helped you work through the writer's block.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also you know not staying in the perfectionism or the whole vision in terms of you know really taking it piece by piece and not. I mean, I think leading up to choosing to write this book and publish it at that time, I, I I look at the whole picture of things, and so I hold that like I must write a book today, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when I stopped doing that and stopped holding on to, you know, this product or package and really looked focused at at the pieces of what I was sharing, it just it did become more fluid, and it made more sense to me. Um,
0: it's so, so interesting yeah, it right to, right to in me this. because everyone is so different. You know, some people need yeah. to visualize that finished product in their hands in yeah. order to really connect with it and you Mm -hmm. just needed to connect with the process
2: yeah yeah and that's what I learned about myself (laughs) you know
0: oh for other
2: writing it was like oh okay this is this is how I process this this is what I need to do yeah
0: so now that you know that about yourself Mm -hmm. have you applied that lesson to other things in your life like your coaching to further writing
2: Oh, absolutely. I use the inline all the time, even just working through um, it can be an article. <laughs> wow, know, it's not as that's great. But yeah, I absolutely use that. And when I start writing and I get stuck and I start thinking about the whole thing again, I more easily back it up, definitely. definitely. Okay. Um, giving myself permission in that space has probably been a life or not giving that permission has probably been a lifelong pattern, so also giving myself less time to do things. <laughs> um, you know, like when I was in college I could write, if I wrote a paper three weeks Ahead, I would edit it till it wasn't even recognizable <laughs> You know, three I, weeks later I didn't even think it, <laughs> I didn't yeah, think it was not, possible not to write I didn't think it was possible to write That far ahead better. Yeah, so I, it just It wasn't worth, it was more stressful It was much <laughs> yeah. more stressful for me um, But it took me a long time to figure that out And not because I had several papers done Three weeks in advance <laughs> That's
0: interesting <laughs> um, that it was more stressful to have more time and that when you give yourself yeah. very defined short deadlines, it actually decreases the stress.
2: Yeah, for me, it, it absolutely did. I mean, it doesn't mean that the process wasn't messy and it wasn't stressful and I didn't have blocks. I, I had all of those things, of course. but there was also an end in sight, and that was really valuable to me. And it was mm. like all or nothing. I'm either going to do this or I'm not. It wasn't right. in between, well, maybe, or, well, I kind of like doing this. You know, I was all in, <laughs> you know. Um, right. So that made a big difference. And I was like, well, in three months. And then I started thinking, well, what else have I not done that I could have done in three months, you know. That you could have done in and three months, some, exactly. Yeah, or I know some people write in a weekend or three days, you know. But I get it. I get that focus it's like um, also when I was in school I don't know my undergrad had a I think they call it a J term now like an interim where you just mm-hmm. focus on one class for a month and I realized that I really loved that I love focusing on something intensely mm. like that getting through it so it really worked for me
0: Oh, that's so great What yeah. what's the best thing that's come out of having written your own book
2: oh definitely the connection with other women Um, Mm. and really even learning more about what I wrote and where women are and how they're living with this. You know, I have my own experience and I have my understanding from what others wrote, but to really have those um, personal exchanges and, you know, I do retreats um, with the horses also. We did one last in August, and it's been wonderful to connect with other authors who have written in this space. And part Mm -hmm. of why I decided to write was to contribute to that. This wasn't what I was going to write about first or at that time, and I thought, well, this is so present for me right now, and this is what I'm living, and this is what I'm observing. It's a part of, you know, what I'm looking at, but it's an important part, and there aren't so many voices in this space. And so connecting with women that are writing on the spectrum um, of women not having children has really been beautiful, too, and so I've collaborated in that space.
0: Oh, I love that. I love hearing that putting yourself out there actually resulted in more connection and not less.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I think
0: sometimes there's a fear when you're putting such Mm -hmm. a personal story out there that, that you will be rejected.
2: Yes, yes. Absolutely. You know, and, yeah. Or that, you know, and in this space, I do think there is a lot of warranted, you know, sensitivity of how we mm-hmm. got there, you know, um, what mm-hmm. our different journeys look like, what are the diagnosis versus the decisions, what are, you know, I get that. It's really sensitive, you know, it's like how so often just as a ge- in general we compare pain and I think, well, if you believe your pain is that I believe you. You know, it's not that right. my experience is worse than yours or like, I don't know, that's how I see it. But but there's well, that. It's
0: not a competition, uh, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, how you not arrive, a competition. you know, I, I recognize your grief. I may not be living it the same way, but I recognize it.
0: Right. Um, Do you feel that those connections have helped you nurture your mother within, your maternal instincts?
2: Absolutely. Um, you know yeah. This retreat that we did in August was so special. It was a special collaboration um, with a woman who's really a pioneer in this space from the UK, Jodi Day, um, and runs a beautiful online community. And she has for, I think, uh, I forget how many years now. Um, and... Watching, seeing that, not just the grief, but that love come out of the women and how they connected with the horses, I think it's one of the most beautiful mm. things I've ever observed. I mean, it was it was so humbling and such a privilege to observe it and to facilitate it and really be in that with other women that could see each other, you know, and understanding yeah. in that safe container of, okay, we all got here differently, as I said, but we we understand this, and you get to be that in that space, you know, um, I remember one woman she said, "Well, why is this happening, or why is the horse always coming to my heart? I forget what the exact situation was, and she said, "Right, because you're extending that maternal expression, you know that's who uh. you are, and I just those moments just give me chills, and I think this is so honest, it's so heartful um."
0: Yeah. It's funny you say that because I was just covered in chills while you were talking about that. Mm -hmm. It sounds like such a fantastic Mm -hmm. experience. For the listeners who have never experienced um, equine coaching or don't even know what it is, can you give them like a little primer on it?
2: Sure. Um, Yeah, the coaching work with horses or learning with horses is really about the opportunity to see how we're showing up how our energy is showing up what we're expressing at any given time and the horses because they are so in a present energy they're aware they're prey animals and so they rely on their awareness extending out you know from the immediate environment out to the horizon what is going on for their safety So, they they bring us, they draw us into a presence. So, sometimes, you know, maybe in a coaching session, let's say we want to work on something or address something, but what's really underneath that comes out much more organically with the horses. There's not a judgment, the horse is just responding to you out of the way a horse is, they're not right. saying, I don't like you, I don't love you, or now I really love you, and maybe later I won't, you know. It's not about <laughs> that assessment that we do as humans. It's about the connection. Are you connecting with your truth? And they assess that in different ways than we, we might, in that your truth doesn't mean you're all aligned in a way that everything's pretty and wrapped in a nice bow. It's about, are you angry right now? Are you grieving right now? And showing up with the truth of that. And that's what's ah. connective for horses. Because if you are expressing that truth, then you're taking care of yourself and you're safe to be in their space and in that herd.
0: And then after you've had this experience, you then can translate that into how you interact with other humans.
2: Absolutely. Your communication, mm-hmm. your presence, how you enter a room or not, how you um, how you greet somebody how you know how is your energy influencing things and not first for yourself and then in your relationships and then in the larger environment that you operate and live in you know whether uh. in a business or yeah
0: it's such a valuable thing and something that i think in particular um women don't always evaluate about themselves and about how they're just sort of existing in the world how the energy they're putting out
2: right right and and primarily starting with what energy are we giving ourselves you know ah. i i tend as i did in the book i tend to look at things in the horse work as well as from the perspective of self other and then the world or your environment and, you know, like me, I, I grew up really orienting myself toward other, you know, how to appease, to avoid certain yes. consequences. And I think many, many of us did. And so coming back to that orientation of first, how am I being with myself, and how am I supporting and honoring that? You know, what I really feel, what I really need, how to speak that, and then moving into the relationship space of okay, or or the service space, as so many of the, the difference press authors are, you know, we have to right. serve. Um how showing up for that other from a, a space of having taken care of yourself looks very different. And horses require that of us.
0: That's interesting, that's fascinating.
2: And then, you know, from an organizational perspective or your business, then the larger environment, are you interacting with others, your your clients or vendors or whatever it might be? What does that look like? You know, what are you right. paying attention to in that? And how is that in alignment with you? You know,
0: that's. I think that's so important that it's all about alignment, right? Alignment yeah. between yeah. our heads, our hearts, and then where our feet are taking us
2: right and just giving ourselves permission to choose that to learn what that feels like to pay attention right. to when when we feel that and how to keep recreating that and expanding that That's and it's amazing. not about a perfect line or you know the right the right action it's just about honoring that that journey and and paying attention to that
0: right well now your book obviously is is aimed at at women um but have you heard from any men that have benefited from your message also?
2: I have actually um and I wasn't it's not that I wasn't expecting that but it was a pleasant surprise. Um, men actually in this space are really not even counted in the statistics. I think there are, right. is one country that is starting to do that. I forget who it is, if it's the U.K. or Australia, and I could be wrong on both of those, <laughs> but there is somebody who's starting to do that. Um, and it's less spoken of. And, they're you know, um, they experience very similar things and very different things. Um, their age, you know, to reproduce and their opportunities are different. The, right. their ways of organizing within themselves and are among themselves you know um there are a few there's um one man who has a blog an older blog about it um but it's really an unspoken space you know i imagine part. i mean it's, yeah
0: you know men have that desire to nurture within themselves also
2: Yes, absolutely. There's there's grief, there's a similar process, and yet there's different social feedback around it, which is why right. I only focused on women. I mean, being a woman, um, but also it's very, you know, the pushback and the assessments are really different, which is also interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Incredible. But not to
2: minimize their experience, you know. It, it actually shuts right. down the, the expression of that experience when it's not acknowledged in other ways. So, right. Yes. Right, and in, in some ways worse
0: yeah. for men yes. than for women. Yeah. Well, we are drawing to a close already, and I, I have like a million things uh-huh. I'd love to talk to you about, but <laughs> I always like to ask our authors if they have any advice for someone who's listening who just isn't completing their book. What advice would you give to that person? I mean,
2: I definitely, definitely, after this process, would say don't just don't go it alone, you know? <laughs> um I mean, and work with the process, you know, Um, and it doesn't have to be a decade long. You know, even if you utilize this process to to get uh, the framework done, that would be a lot for, you know, I think that would be a lot, and you can get it done. But just not going it alone. I mean, I'm a real do-it-yourselfer. You know, I'll learn things out of frustration for, you know, programming or whatever. I didn't want to do this. You know, find somebody that does the back end, that knows what they're doing. Focus on what you're good at. (laughs) You take it piece by piece, you know, and then and then there will be a book at the end. Um, But yeah, and be kind to yourself in the process. (laughs) Uh,
0: Be kind to yourself, and that you know that with that message, we're gonna close down this episode of Book Journeys Radio. Thank you so much, Christine. This has been both enlightening and warming for my heart to talk to you.
2: Oh, thank you. Good to speak with you. Take good care.
0: I will. And for all of our listeners who want to find Christine, you can find her book, The Mother Within, A Guide to Accepting Your Childless Journey, on Amazon. You can also find her at themotherwithin.com or on Facebook. And her coaching website is onelegacycoaching.com. Thank you for listening, and please join us next week when we speak to another author about how they've gone from idea to finished product, to making a difference in the world. Thanks so much.
1: This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.